the players were first and foremost in the thought of the league. And I give them credit for that because y'all know me now. Right. Y'all don't watch me. I don't <laughs> sugarcoat. Nope. Right. Like if it was messed up, I was going to say it was messed right. up. I would have wanted to use another word, but I would say it's messed up. <laughs> are now listening to the duo sports and stuff podcast here are your hosts deontay epps and dane beasley hello and welcome to episode 37 of the duo sports and stuff podcast my name is deontay epps joined by dane beasley and dane we are in line with another guest man this guy has blown up over the last few years on the internet on tv uh Past NFL star, defensive lineman, Marcus Spears, my guy. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me, bro. Um, uh, it's some beautiful weather up here in Northern Virginia. So uh, with the family, and we just chilling. I'm in, I'm in my happy place yeah. when I'm with my people. Ain't, ain't that the best feeling, just chilling with your family, enjoying the time with them, especially with everything that's going on over the past year or so, and even longer than that, but. I, I, I'm right there with you, man. I enjoy absolutely time, bro. The pandemic, the pandemic for us, man, was 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 a godsend. I, I had been grinding and working so hard and on the road so much, and, and not to take away from the the devastation, but for me personally, it was an opportunity for me to be in in tune with my family, like see my wife day to day, see my kids day to day, and and really like. It's funny, man, as when you're a father and you're working hard, you really don't know what the home life is really like. Um, but but it's allowed me to uh it's allowed me to really understand the job that my wife is doing. Right. And I have Holding a great appreciation. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. I got a great appreciation for the work she's putting in uh with our kids, man, when I'm out there working and grinding. Already appreciate it. Yeah, I feel you on that one. We just gonna st- step back a little bit, Coke back into your career before before we get into it, man. You're from Baton Rouge, man, so it, it was kind of destined for you to go to LSU, am I right? Well, you, <laughs> most, people, most people would think that. Um, it's funny, man, my mom and dad went to Southern University, the HBCU in Baton Rouge, and I went to Southern University Lab School, which is a laboratory school that's um, a feeder for teachers and stuff like that from Southern University, to come teach and then whatever they decide to do. Um, so my, my goal was to always be on the yard, what they call Southern yeah. campus. I wanted yeah. to, um, that was my culture though. It was, it was, I was there in high school. I grew up going to their football games. Uh, Eric Randall was my coach in high school who, and he started at, at, at Southern as a quarterback. So everything that I knew was Southern um, university. And then you know, the football thing started happening in high school and this little short dude named Nick Saban walked in the living room <laughs> and, uh, and everything changed, man. And it was, um, but, 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 you know, unbeknownst to a lot of people, LSU was not in the cards. If you think about all of the guys from Louisiana with big names, Florida schools were the, were the schools we were going to. It was Florida State with Warwick Dunn and Travis Minor. It was Ed Reed at Miami. Um, it, it, it was so many dudes leaving and playing at these pr- prominent, you know, colleges. They were already on. 
uh, when we decided to go to LSU, and I say we because that class was full of dudes from Louisiana, LSU wasn't popping like that. Right. LSU came and got a dude that was destined for the HBCU to come in, and, and we did, we the guys that deliver championships. You mentioned Nick Saban. How is that like him being in your living room trying to recruit you? It's a lot. And I think the thing that I respected about him was just the honesty. Like, it was clear. I, I told him my goals are clear. My mom wants me to get a degree. I want to go to the league. Um, and, and I knew that. I knew financially. I knew what I was trying to get my family to. Um, and it just felt like the right thing. And the thing that he was teaching was competition. He was talking about getting you prepared for life, um, let alone going pro. And it, it just resonated. Like, other, the other coaches made good pitches. Bobby Bowden made a good pitch. Um, all of them. Uh, a lot of guys. R.C. Slocum from Texas A&M. It was a bunch. I had all the coaches there, man. And, and, and every one of them, you know, were recruiting at a very high level. It's just something just sat in my spirit with Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher. Um, my mom felt good about it, which y'all know is huge. Um, and, and it was, it just felt right at that time. It felt right. Um, so it, I felt like it was his experience of being in the league, his experience of, 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 of dealing with a lot of guys with a lot of talent and understanding how to cultivate that and get guys to a point where they could actually be pros and thrive once they got to the pros. Um, all of that resonated with me. And then LSU was dope. Like I had a bunch of friends that eventually uh, ended up going there. A bunch of people that I respected uh, spoke highly of it. Um, and it all worked out, man. So we, we, w- when he sat in my living room, I did not know the Nick Saban that everybody knows now. Right. Um, he was a, ye- he was two years removed from Michigan state. So it like saying Nick Saban name now, as opposed to saying it in 2001 is Wasn't a lot a, different right, right. Uh, yeah, in, in living room. So it was, uh, but you could tell he was on to something, man. And I, I, I wanted to be a part of that. that I can only imagine, man. The, so, you know, everybody calls you big swagoo, man. <laughs> when I, when I, I told a couple of my family, like, I was like, man, we, I think we get Marcus Spears on. Man, it was like, man, ask him how, how did that nickname come to be? <laughs> well, so a lot of people don't know, man. I was working for ESPN previous, but I was working for SEC Network. Okay. Uh, which covered the Southeastern Conference. And my first year there, Joe Tessitore was our host on the show called SEC Nation. Um, and Joe gave me that, man. He was like, look, I, I take pride in how I look. Because if a big dude get on TV, it look way worse. Then, then when most dudes get on, gotta TV, be fresh. Um, yeah, gotta be fresh. That was that was key. That's been key for a long time. Um, and he was like, "Man, you you dripping swagoo," and I was like, "What?" <laughs> and he was like, "I'm gonna call you the big swagoo from now on." <laughs> and dude, Tess started Joe Tess started calling me that, calling me that. And then I noticed when I was making appearances on Sports Center, they they are say Marcus Spears, the big swagoo. After that. And I was like, man, this thing is taking off. Yeah. Like it's, it, it formed a life of its own. And I'm telling you, man, like, you know when you got the right one because now people refer to you as that in public. Like, when I'm placing, <laughs> what's up, man? Um, so it just became it became a thing, man, and it, it I embraced it. It separated me from, you know, just the normal, the normal guy right. at ESPN. And it's something that, 
you know, I nickname everybody because I don't do well remembering names. Um, and I think when you have a nickname, people can kind of like associate that, right? Like that becomes a part of your persona as long as it's the right one. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. It, it ended up working out, man. And that's what people refer to me. And I and I, I take no shade because the origin of it is the big fella being clean. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's awesome, man. That's cool. So you put together some pretty amazing seasons in the early 2000s and eventually led to you being drafted by the Dallas Cowboys in yes, 2005. Uh, so take us through that. Like, was this type of a dream situation to get drafted by America's team? Or was this a situation was like you were divided, maybe possibly wanted to go to the New Orleans Saints? Or how did that play out? Because being from Louisiana and all. Brother, I was just trying to get to that bag. Mm. It ain't matter. Yeah. It could have been, it could have been a team in London, mm-hmm. South Africa. It could have been anywhere, <laughs> man. My, my goal was to take care of my family, right? And and you know, going into that process, like you don't have any, you don't have any power unless you're the Mannings and you Eli and you say, I don't want to play the <laughs> Um but I, I I you know, you get an idea of where you slide it. So I kind of had an idea. Dallas was in those numbers um, of draft picks in the first round where, where I could still be available. Initially, I thought I was going to the Texans. I thought it was going to be Houston. I had had a lot of communication with them. Rick Smith was their GM. Um, talked to them a number of times. They were converting over to a 3-4 defense. So they were trying to build that, build that out. And they ended up taking Travis Johnson from Florida State. And then when Dallas came up at 20, I knew it. Like, I just knew it. And my mom was like, you going to Dallas. Um, <laughs> Mama knows. And, and, and when the phone rang, it was it was uh, Jerry. And he said, congratulations. We're about to take you with the 20th pick. Are you excited to be a cowboy? I was like, hell yeah. Um, <laughs> and then he put Bill Parcells on the phone. And Parcells was like, I need you to show up 310. I'll see you when you get to camp. And that was it. Yeah. Straight to and the I point. Was like, yep. I was like, okay. This real life now, like all of the, all of the excitement about the draft and being drafted, it's over yeah, now. Right it's working. Yeah. yeah, the real stuff. <laughs> so, but yeah, man, playing there was was amazing, bro. Amazing. Texas is my second home. Um, it was. I was so fortunate too to be drafted with Demarcus Ware and Chris Canty and Jay Ratliff. Uh, we had a great class. Marion Barber. It was just we were a a, a tight knit group that came in with some veterans like Leroy Glover and Greg Ellis um, that really, that really was wanted us to thrive and have success. And um, I think that translated, man. And and I, I give a lot of credit to not only the guys that I came in the draft with, but the guys that were already in Dallas for the longevity of my career and, and really helping me understand fast what it meant to be a pro. Right. Right. Yeah. And to, to piggyback off your answer right there, kind of segues into my next question. You know, you had you know, a stellar career in the league and, you know, there's a lot of NFL players, you know, it comes to a time, obviously, where you got to hang the cleats up. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of players that, you know, football is all that they know. Mm-hmm. And so transitioning from that career to, OK, what am I going to do next? What right, was that right. switch for you that was like, okay, my career is done. I want to be an analyst. I want to be in front of the camera. Yeah. Like, what What was that switch for you? Like, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pursue it. As crazy as it sounds, man, it never was a switch. 
because I tell people all the time, I didn't bet on going to the league. Like going to the NFL to me was a fantasy. Like, and and it, and it took, you got to have luck, bro. Everybody think, I mean, I'm sure y'all know. Y'all know great athletes that never made it. Y'all know guys that that hit circumstances that derailed them from getting to the point of, of, of making it to the pro. So my plan was to always, I studied communications in college. I was always, um, my mama always taught me growing up, you better be able to speak well. Like she thought that that was a quality that I needed. She was a telephone operator for 25 okay. years. Um, so it was, communication was always one of my strong suits. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't crazy about school. I ain't love it. I did it because it led to me being able to be eligible and play. And I knew I had to have an education, man, period. But my whole goal um, was to have a, have some type of interaction. It wasn't to be on ESPN. It wasn't to be a, a, a star or famous quote unquote. It was always just to impact people. I wanted to do that through conversations. And, and this is the road. You know, playing for the Cowboys absolutely helped. It was a media frenzy. And I got a chance to meet a lot of people in this industry. And then realizing, like, yo, I can really, like, do this. Yeah. My sister called me, man. It was funny. I was going to do radio in Dallas. I was lined up to do a radio show in Dallas. That was going to be my after football theme. Mm -hmm. And my sister hit me and was like, have you heard about the SEC Network? And I was like, yeah, we argue all the time about, you know, schools being better and all right. that and she was like you need to apply you need to apply she said apply bro that's how much we didn't know yeah. about getting a job in media and uh so i reached out man i literally got this job through a, a, a tweet and one my boss still to this day stephanie drooler tells everybody when marcus tell this story make sure you don't think you can tweet me and get a job but <laughs> it was I tweeted a man and I told her to hit me back and she direct messaged me. And I was like, I want to, I want to audition for a spot at the SEC network. And um, eventually that turned into some communication between me and her. And I found myself in Bristol auditioning. And uh, I didn't hear anything after that first audition. I got a call about two weeks later to do another one. And she was able to be at the second one in Austin at the Longhorn network, which okay. she launched as well. And then man, we did that interview. I was there with Booger McFarlane. Booger. Uh, me and Booger was Booger. there together. And um, they called me about a week and a half later and told me that I got the job. I got the position. I didn't know what the position was. I just knew I was about to be on TV. So I was lit. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I'm about to go uh, And then it became a two-hour live show. And I called Stephanie when they, when they decided to put me on SEC Nation. And I was like, yo, I've never done live TV before. She was like, just be yourself. We'll take care of the rest. And man, it was, it was, it was where I, I'm where I'm supposed to be. Um, and it still holds true in my life. It's the community. It's the people around me realizing sometimes what's better for me than I realized was for myself. And obviously it has turned into this, which is a young career, man, but it's still so much I want to do so much. I want to accomplish but I tell people, man, the foundation of when you see me on television, I love what I'm doing and I'm having a good time. And that's all. And I have. hope that resonates. <laughs> I hope that resonates. Man, man, who's your who's your favorite personality to uh, go back oh. and forth with on the show? <laughs> Ryan Clark. Ryan, Ryan Clark. Clark. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan Clark. Uh, 
my Louisiana brother. Um, we don't get the debate. I love deba- debating Stephen A. and Max. Of course. Um, they they masters at their craft, man. Um, they know so much about just sports and life and subject matter. Both of them have served as mentors of mine. Um, man, listen, it, I'm still having moments, bro, where I'm pinching myself. I'm still having those moments. Like, I'm still, you know, start like I, I, I was on first take. I used to watch first take when I was in the league. I used to be like, man, I'll go on that show and dominate Stephen A. <laughs> yeah. time, Skip. You know, I so when 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 those moments were happening, man, it was surreal, bro. And and I'm still, I'm still to this day, like when I work with Jay Harris, who is an anchor at Sports Center, I still pinch myself. I'm like, man, that's Jay. Like Jay worked with Stu Scott before. And when I'm on with when I'm on with, with Greeny and I'm like, that's Mike and Mike. Like yeah. from that recollection, when I did his and hers with Jamel and Michael Smith, I'm like, that's Jamel Hill and Michael Smith. So I, I've, I've had a bunch of those, a bunch of those moments, man. And um, it, it's still, it's still, it's still exciting. It still makes me smile and it's still humbling um, to, to be able to be in that arena with, with who I consider giants in that space, man. Mm. That's huge. That is very ironic that you mentioned the great uh, Stewie Scott, man, because uh, yeah. we growing up, Deontay and I were, we're 90s babies. So it's, oh, yeah. you know, that was one of the guys that we saw on TV was like, that guy looks just like us. Absolutely. So, so like in your eyes, do you consider yourself as a role model or, or form of representation for a lot of black kids across America and just the culture itself? Absolutely, man. I mean, we have that responsibility. Anytime we have a platform, um, especially on the scope that that I, that I'm, I've been blessed to have, man. People watching, you know, kids are kids are determining dreams based off what they see you do. Um, I was like that. Reggie White was that guy for me. You know, it was it was it was guys. It was it was it was Jerry Rice. It was Reggie White. It was my high school basketball coach that I wanted to emulate. I was like these dudes doing it the way I want to do it. And obviously, you put your teaching and your spin on it. Um, with your family values and and all of those things, but yes, man, that's the ultimate responsibility. I got an eleven year old son. I know how impressionable they are. You know, I know when I know when LeBron or Steph does something, it 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 they want to do it. You know what I'm saying? So, being that representation and, and and being like being, we need to see faces like ours, like in these arenas. You know, to say I can do it, right? Like when I saw Stu. Um, for the first time, and when I saw him using slang and, and words and talking in the vernacular that I un- understood, I was like, I can be on TV, you know? So we need that. We need that, man. So for me to be in a position where where some kids and young men, young women, um, and really all races, but, but especially Black, young Black men and Black women to say, I can be on ESPN and I can be myself, um and, and have success is is super important and i i don't take that lightly man because i understand like there's a responsibility that comes when that red light on that camera comes on and everybody see you across the world man that's good that's good so speaking of across the world you have louisiana roots so i have, to, I have yeah. a very serious question about <laughs> what kind of fishing do you do what kind of fish i know you i know you fish what kind of fishing do we you call, do so so we I grew up calling them Sackalay, which is crappy. Most of the world, most of the country 
know it as crappie, like crappy, crappie, whatever you want to call it. But white perch, some people call it. Um, but that's my thing, man. Pet, I want to catch crappie every day of my life. I think about it every day. Me and my son, we fish and hunt together. We, but that that fishing, cat fishing, um, anything in the bayou that you can cook pretty <laughs> <Yeah>. much <laughs> was what we what we fish. Brim, um, like man, yeah. So so, but but if I if I had one fish in fresh water that I wanted to catch, it'd be sackalay which is crappy to everybody that ain't from Louisiana. <laughs> yeah, people be like, what? They're going to have to Google that. Like, yeah. <laughs> Never heard of that before. Oh, man. <laughs> hey, a couple of, couple of uh, NFL questions, man. We'll let you yeah. go because I know I know you're doing family things. But once again, we Absolutely. appreciate you so, so much for, for coming on with us during this time, man. Um, obviously, everything has been crazy with sports the past – year or so with COVID and stuff. How do you think yep. the NFL handled handled the COVID situation? Had a few hiccups, but they yep. started and they got a Super Bowl winner. Yep. I thought they did a phenomenal job. Um, we all operated with the idea that we would have COVID breakouts, that that people would, would, would get COVID. And and I don't think they ever took it lightly. Like you, like the, the, the idea of the NFL has always been we above the fray. Right. Like anything that's going on in real life, we can still go play football games and do and, and, and conduct our business as usual. And it doesn't impact how people see the league or think about the league. Man, being there every day and getting the information about what these guys were doing, the protocols that these teams put in place, the leadership in the NFL, which 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 since cap hasn't been popular to talk about. Right. Like, let's be let's be real about it. Like since since Colin went through what he went through dealing with the league, I looked at the league different. I was like, yeah. So dealing with this COVID issue, the, the great thing about professional sports is you have you have a structure where the players get a, they choose through through collective bargaining, through negotiations. So the players decided we're going to play and then the league decided we're going to put games on. How do we do that? And I thought they did a phenomenal job through communication, the way they set up these, uh, the way they set up each um, team's facility, checking guys, getting tested, and, and really just – and when it when it did hit, it hit the Titans, if y'all remember. Yep. yep. Um, I think it hit Denver. Um, Denver played with a guy that didn't even play quarterback. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Broncos fan, so you know I was right. I was feeling right. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so it was those type of situations is are the ones that were hard. Right. Those mm-hmm. were hard, right? Because you like man, cancel the game, play it later, postpone it, which they did a couple of them. But when I tell you, I believe Troy Vincent, the vice president, and one of my boys, Stephen Boyle, who works in the NFL office, the players were first and foremost in the thought of the league. And I give them credit for that because y'all know me now. Right. Y'all don't watch me. I don't right. sugarcoat. Nope. Right. Like if it was messed up, I was going to say it was messed right. up. I would have wanted to use another word, but I would say it's messed <laughs> up. Um, but but I got to give them credit, man. I, I thought they did everything they possibly could to ensure the safety of these players first and, and to get a season done. And they, they the social justice initiative – that they they came around on, which I ain't giving them all the credit for right. that. I understand you know what I'm saying? Um, 
but those players, man, they they stood ten toes down and they got it done. And um, that's really who the credit goes to. But the league deserves some credit for for listening to those guys and putting in action what they thought would be best to to get through a season and make sure everybody got through that season. So I thought they did a phenomenal job. <sighs> Mr. Marcus Spears. So speaking of <laughs> taking action. And mind you, that's, Dane's a Cowboys fan, so you know I'm a Cowboys fan. Oh, correct that. As of as of recently, a hopeless Cowboys fan. But yeah. with the recent signing of the Dak Prescott, yeah. it's like a, a giant weight has been lifted off of most of our backs who are Cowboys fans. <laughs> but, of course, mm-hmm. you have your naysayers and those who enjoy the – the sport of pocket watching and don't agree with, you know, paying a quarterback this much or, you know, not yeah. understanding how the quarterback market works. Yeah. What do you have to say to other people, maybe fans, maybe I guess you can say they're not, they're fans, but they're not really fans of the Dallas Cowboys. But what do you have to right. say to those kind of people that have those type of attitudes and negative things to say about players that get paid when, you know, rightfully so working on a rookie contract, you finally get your payday. One thing I'm going to teach you guys in this moment, because that's a great question. So, <laughs> if you could make $160 million, you would too. Yeah. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So, listen, man, I my skin has hardened playing for the Cowboys and doing my job now. So, like, you, you, you all the time, when, I tell people this all the time, man. When you get hate from other people, ask, ask yourself if they was in this situation, would they do what you do? And, and and majority of the time, you've responded how most people would respond. Yeah. Yeah. So when 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 Dak going through this contract situation, as a fan, and I, I I did both sides. I don't know if y'all saw, but I did both sides. As an analyst, I was like, Dak need to get the hell out of there. Right? This is not a good situation. Three years waiting for a contract. As a fan, I was like, Lord, please let Dak resign. <laughs> <laughs> Because I love, I, I think he's a really good football player, and I think he's a quarterback that's still getting better. Um, but when you have people that's naysayers, man, and when you, I, I'm sure y'all gonna have them with this podcast, y'all gonna have them in y'all everyday life, man. Do you stay true to you? All that other stuff is outside noise. It's just like when I talk to people about the Dallas Cowboys, ain't but one team win the Super Bowl every year. So all of those other people that's hating on the Cowboys, they team ain't winning. You know, so I the king of the hill right now is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Other 31 teams can shut the hell up and just enjoy being fans and arguing about yeah. their team being better and all of that stuff. But, man, I, I just – like when it comes to that type of stuff, real raw and get people to 100% truth on how I'm feeling about it, and in my opinion, and that's the thing that I try to delineate between people. I'm not a reporter. I'm paid to give an opinion when the story comes out. That's a different, that's a whole different job. So I take things for what they are. Um, the way my mama and daddy raised me and my family raised me, be straight to the point. You don't need to beat around the bush. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's how I operated in that, in the whole day saga and situation. I was like, this is what Dak need to do, because this is what I would have done. <laughs> <laughs> 160 million reasons why I would do it, too. Yeah. 160 million reasons, bro. And, and, and two, man, to that point, when we were having all of that conversation about what is Dak worth and all of that, mm-hmm. you are worth whatever a team is willing to pay you. Yeah. 
And, and you know, the, the, the big reason for me on the Dak situation is everybody, I had got past the point of Dak being a cowboy. Mm. Like I root for players. players. Yeah. Like I root for players, man. When it's time to get paid, go get your bag and get the biggest one you can get. I know what this league do. I, I was just getting up off the sofa and my daughter was like, dad, why your knees crack like that? <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, so I know what this game do to yeah. your body. And I know how hard it is mentally. I know what type of toll it takes on your family and your friends. Mm. And it's a job. And people like, you know, fans look at it from a perspective of it's a game and these guys having fun and, you know, you shouldn't be making that money to play a game. Well, come do it. Come exactly. practice with us one time. Exactly. Right? Come play in the game one time. And then you, then after that, you determine how easy and much of a game and how fun it is. And I'm not, look, I don't want no sympathy from anybody from playing in the league. But we also going to tell the truth about how hard it is, along with the perks that comes along with it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Situation always changes when you tell somebody to go ahead and take a slant right yeah, across the middle. Boop, 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 boop. No, 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 no. Yeah, exactly. We're going to line Ray Lewis up right here, and you run straight to him and trying to catch the ball at the yeah. same time. And, and you yeah. get past Ray, we got every right there, right behind him. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, let's, let, let's, let's not, let's not uh, get it twisted and think that. Everybody just out there running on a bed of rose petals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. Okay. So, uh, based on the offseason that we've had so far, what do you think this has been the most impactful move or have the most impact overall when it's all said and done after this season wraps up? I think Matt Stafford going to the Rams. Um, Matt Stafford is a hell of a quarterback that's been buried in Detroit and not really in the conversation of being a top 10 guy because Detroit hadn't won anything. Him... Sean McVay, the talent of a young running back in Cam Akers, and they still got Malcolm. You still got Cooper Cup. You, I'm, I'm talking about just on Deshaun Jackson too. Right, yeah. right. Deshaun just signed about with that. them, so you got a guy to take the top off of a defense, and that signing is a is an indication of what they think about Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford been bombs away his whole career, so now we got a guy that can take the top off of a defense. McVay loves to dominate you in game plans. And then you got them two animals over there on the other side of the ball to support you better than any other team player can support yeah. you in the league. Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. So, look, man, I think Matt Stafford and the Rams will be in the NFC Championship this year mm-hmm. um, and, and, a, and a viable, legit Super Bowl contender based on what they built. Now, they got to fix some things on their offensive line. Andrew Whitworth got to come back and make sure he's healthy, who I played with at LSU, so I'm hoping so. Um, but but I think that move can send a ripple effect through the league. You know, we love Cam in our community, and we can make excuses for him. Yeah. Cam looked like trash last year, mm-hmm. right? But we also got to know what he was working with. We mm-hmm. got to know the weapons he had. We got to understand he went through COVID. And the he time. Didn't have an yeah, and I'll see. Learning, exactly. a, learning a new system under Josh McDaniels. So I believe that the New England Patriots will be right back in the AFC East title race and, and vying for to get into the playoffs. And Bill Belichick with a good football team in the playoffs, y'all already know. Yeah, everybody. Hey, you think, think 
when Bill saw Tom Brady hosting up another trophy, he was like, "Yeah, let's let's make some." Like, right. absolutely, yeah, all right, yeah, all right, all right. <laughs> everybody go, everybody gonna think it was just you now. Yeah. But let's go ahead and and bro, that how active they were in free agency, it lets you know the type of mentality Belichick has. Like, and he said it about about Tom as well. He said, "Man, I exhausted all of our resources to get these Super Bowls." So when they didn't have money to spend and when they didn't have a roster that looked like a good enough roster to compete, he was being honest. Like, man, I, you know, for the last five years, I was investing in what we had and I got three Super Bowls out of that. Right. We'll take one in Dallas. Yeah. (laughs) We'll take one. So what he did in this offseason was signing all of these guys, identifying the deficiencies and the issues that they had. It just lets you know why people consider Bill Belichick the greatest to ever do it. Marcus, man, we are very much appreciative, my guy. It's been Respect. a long couple of months. I was, and uh, yeah. I'm going to email Ashley after this, but she's been great because I'm I'm hounding her like every two weeks. Like, hey, <laughs> is he good? What about this time? What about this time? What about this time? <laughs> but, uh, man, we, we really appreciate you coming on with us, man, and, Every time we have a guest, we always like to give them the opportunity to shout out anything, any closing words, any people or anybody or any message that you want to give out to our fans and audience. Man, man, look, bless it. first of all, blessings to y'all, bro. I appreciate y'all having me, man. Um, one thing I tell people, you know, and, and I'm sorry we, we had to keep bumping it. Work story yeah. kept of getting course. in the way. Of course. My, my mom taught me humility, bro. Don't never get to a spot where you can't reach back. Don't ever get to a spot where you feel like you're too big to do something. And that's my message to the youth, man. Like, you ain't more than anybody because your bank account say this or your shoes this designer or you wearing these type of clothes. Everybody else is trying to make it. Treat them that way. Um, and that would be my message, man. And, and show love. Like, show love. Like, because, because I'm pouring into you doesn't mean I'm losing anything. You know what I'm saying? Like me pouring into you is to want to see you do well and do best. I don't have to have a mentality and, and you know, the old crab in the barrel that people associate to our culture and our generations of black people. It's time. It, we moving on from that. Yeah. Everybody can eat. The whole family can eat. Right. The friends can eat. The, the community, the neighborhood can eat if we do it with the right type of spirit and the right approach. So that's my message, man. Everybody can eat. Me giving away the knowledge and the finances and 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 the the nuggets and the jewels that I have doesn't mean you taking them from me. It just means I'm trying to give you what I have so you can ascend in whatever area you want. Couldn't said it better, man. Appreciate you so much, yes, listeners. Sir. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Dual Sports and Stuff podcast. You can listen on any platform, Apple. Spotify, YouTube, all the other platforms. And also you can check out our website, www.theduosportsandstuffpodcast.com. Peace. Respect.